0: Our vision is for Love and Truth Church to make a significant difference by changing lives to change our world. To accomplish our mission, our dreams are... 10 churches planted. 100 ministers ordained. 1,000 people sent. Thousands trained and activated. 10,000 lost saved, 100,000 hear gospel, millions of dollars released. I began a couple of weeks ago talking to you on this aspect of 2020 vision, that we're believing God that by the end of the year 2020, that Love and Truth Ministries is gonna make a significant dis- difference, not just in one location or three or four locations, but literally. Around the world. So would you take your Bibles today and go to the book of Matthew, the ninth chapter? As you're doing that, let me greet our campuses that are joining with us today. My name is Eddie Couples, and I'm the lead pastor of Love and Truth Ministries. We're glad you're with us today. Whether you're in Craneville, Illinois, or in Henderson, Tennessee, or Savannah, Tennessee, or over in Cordova, the Memphis area, we're glad you're with us. We believe that God's already ministered to you, but as we go on the word of the Lord today, I want you to get ready to receive what God has. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we began this process, and we began talking about vision. And, and I've, I've done some research on this aspect of 20-20 vision. Uh, you know, they say 20-20 vision is optimum vision. Uh, years ago, I had 20-20 vision, but then I turned 40. And all of a sudden, my arm has, has got, if you can see this watch this morning, I keep getting my watch bigger and bigger. So that I can know what time it is, and and I have watches that have all kind of things on them. I can't see anything, but hopefully I can tell what time it is. And and so that that's part of you know the aging process is that 2020 vision kind of leaves. But what we want as a ministry is that we want to be able to see uh, optimally what God has called us to do. Uh, we begin the first week talking out of the book of Habakkuk, where the scripture said, uh, to "Write the vision, to make it plain, that he may run with it who reads it." And and we talked about how that we go through the process. of vision casting and how that in our lives personally as well as uh, in a corporate setting what God has called us to do and what the process of vision is. Last week uh, we talked on the priorities uh, of the vision and and how that as a a local congregation and as a ministry our vision uh, needs to be biblical, it needs to be gracious It needs to be relevant, and we talked about four aspects last week of of what God has called us to. Now, today, I'm going to go a little differently. Today, I'm going to talk about our mandate, out of the Word of God, what God has given to us as a mandate. In other words, what are we supposed to be doing as believers? What is it as Christians that we are to be doing? So, would you look in your Bibles, or just look up on the screen, uh, book of Matthew, the ninth chapter, beginning in verse 36, it says, but when he saw the multitudes, this is speaking of Jesus, he was moved. With compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers or the workers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, I want to talk about this mandate that God has given to the church. I want to tell you something about the church of Jesus Christ. It never comes to the point where that we are able to just take it easy. Well, we got it covered. It's all all okay. We've got enough people. No, God has always called us until the end of days. He has called us to be making a difference. And as you read this passage there, 2,000 years ago, Jesus looks out at the crowd. And as he looks at that crowd that day, there is something that happens in the heart of Jesus. He's moved with compassion. And and he begins to see all of the needs and all all the issues. But then he looks around at those 12, those closest to him, and he said, you know what? He said, there's a great crowd here, but he said, the laborers are few. And he said, hey, here's what I want you guys to pray. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest field. And so as I begin to prepare for today, I I begin to look at this thing. You know what I found is is that there is a difference between a crowd and a worker. There's there's this whole aspect. There's a dimensional uh, problem here when you begin to look at the crowd compared uh, to the workers. And I I want to just share a little bit with you uh, about that this morning. A crowd versus the worker. Crowd always has its hand out. (laughs) Come on. The, the crowd always wants to know, what have you done for me lately? The, the crowd's always kind of like, you know, here, here it is and whatever. But a worker, a worker is a giver. See, that's the difference. Crowd's wanting something given to me. The worker says, you know what, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to give. I'm going I'm to make a difference uh, in, in the life of somebody. The, the crowd has what I call a poverty mentality. Now I want to tell you something about a poverty mentality. Poverty mentality, you can have a lot of money and still have a poverty mentality. All right? Here's what a poverty mentality is. A poverty mentality is, number one, you owe me something. Wow, y'all used to say amen in this church. And the thing about poverty mentality is no matter what you do for them, it's never enough. (laughs) It's going to be a good sermon this morning. I can feel it already. All right, and and there's there's this whole aspect of, of crowd versus uh, the worker. The the crowd always the the crowd always feels like with a poverty mentality feels like you 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 shouldn't have more than me, you shouldn't have better than me, and and kind of has this mentality of, of what I call a pie mentality. All right, and that means this that that there's you know there's eight pieces to a pie, and if you get one piece, it means I've got less. All right? And I like pie. For any of you that are wanting to know, I like chocolate pie. <laughs> Keep those cards and letters coming in. No, anyway. Uh, and, and so th- there's the aspect there of poverty mentality is, is that, well, you're, you're taking from me. And what we don't understand is, is the, the Bible says in the book of Genesis, the first chapter, God said, let there be and there was. Let there be. And and God spoke all these things into existence. And scientists tell us that as they keep getting more and more powerful telescopes, that they are finding that the universe is self-perpetuating, that it is continuing to grow. Why? Because God said, let there be. He never did say let there stop. So God is a God of abundance. God is a God uh, of of more than enough. And, And so the difference in the crowd, the crowd has a poverty mentality. Workers believe in abundance. Workers just show up and say, you know what? I believe we can do this. I believe that there's more than enough. And and I want to tell you something. I believe we ought to take care of our world. I believe we ought ought to make sure that we do all the things right. But I just believe in a God who is bigger than any mess we make down here. And whatever we need, he's going to supply right that that's the difference in this aspect of being the crowd uh, or or being you know one who is a worker. Another thing about the crowd, the crowd's always needy. Come on. Um, I can remember, most of you know I was born in Africa and, and lived there my uh, early life and then went back when I was 13. We periodically go to Africa and we have several churches in Kenya and Uganda. And, and the, the one thing, whether it's Kenya or the Philippines or wherever it is that we go in these developing nations, is the great amount of need that's there. Uh, I, I've told Sherry on many occasions, I said we could drop a million dollars today today and come back next week, and it would all be gone, and we wouldn't know what happened to it. Because there is such great, great need. But I want to tell you, Jesus said it this way, and don't get mad at me, get mad at him. Jesus said, the poor you have with you always. See, there's always this mentality of need, and, and yet a worker, now watch this, a worker is always changing the circumstances. A, a, a worker comes in and says, okay, there's a need here, but let's change it. Let's make a difference. One of the things about Love and Truth Ministries is, is that our, our vision statement is changing lives to change our world. Because I believe with all of my heart that we need to be change agents. We, we don't need to be sitting around, yeah, there's a lot of problems, there's a lot of needs, but what are we doing individually and corporately to make a difference? So a worker shows up and says, hey, how can I get involved? How can I make a difference? The, the last aspect, and then I'll move on because I can tell I'm meddling way too much is that the crowd is easily swayed. The crowd one day cries Hosanna, the next day they cry crucify. And and I just found out years ago that if I try to please a crowd, I'm in trouble. Uh, You know, Sherry and I have been married for a long time, and and there's a lot of days I don't even please her. So so I found out if I can't please her, you know, the Scripture says, and, and I've quoted this, the Scripture says, Beware when all men speak well of you. I've never worried about that scripture one day in my life. It has never crossed my mind to be worried about that one. All right? And, and so, you know, crowds, crowds will sway. Crowds will go, yeah, this is, this is my person. This is the, the, the ministry I'm behind. This is whatever. But tomorrow, they're gone. Now, there's a difference, though, with a worker. A worker understands the vision a worker grabs a hold and says, you know what, there's going to be some tough times, there's going to be some hard times, but the end result is going to make a difference and therefore I am going to buy into the vision and I'm going to make a difference. And so when you when you begin to look at these things, you begin to understand that God has given us the ability, individually as well as corporately in churches and in ministries to really grab a hold of things and we either make up our mind, are we going to be part of the crowd? And, and here's what I've determined Let me me tell you something. God's not impressed with crowds. I mean, Jesus has multitudes and he looks up and he starts talking tough stuff. He starts talking about, you know, drinking blood and eating flesh and. Right? He starts talking about making some tough decisions. And the Bible says they just start booking out, they're gone. And he looks around at the 12 and he says, Are you guys going too? And I don't think he said that in a plaintive way. I don't think he said that, well, guys, are you going to stay? I, I think he's going, hey, I got 12 more. I'll get, if, you know, if you guys go, I'll get more. I don't think he was upset about it. And, and so what, what we have to come to an understanding is, is that God has given us the ability to make a difference. Now, how are we going about doing that? What, if our mandate uh, is, is to get involved in the harvest, to be laborers, to be workers in the harvest, how do we go about doing that? Now, in the book of Luke, the 14th chapter, you can read this later, there's a story that Jesus tells that's, that's usually used in a negative sense. It's a story about a guy who prepares a feast, and he invites three different people, and they all show up, or they all uh, give excuses why they can't show up. And then the Bible says, he says, go out, you know, and compel them and bring them all in. And we usually refer to this in a negative connotation. But I believe, even in the negative part of this, that there was a reason that Jesus told us what type of people that were, were invited to the feast. Now, I want to I break this down for us today. The, the Luke, the 14th chapter and the 18th verse says this, But they all, with one accord, uh, began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask that you have me excused. Now, that's the negative part. But, but here's the, the part that I believe is important. There, there are three types of people I believe God wants His workers in His kingdom. The first type are those who have the ability to conquer. I have bought a piece of ground, and I've got to go see it. There, there's, there's this whole aspect of taking ground spiritually all right, that God's concerned about. And so when he uses this story, I think there's more than the negative that we need to see, that you and I need to come to a place of understanding that God gives different ones of us the ability to conquer. Now, now let me me share this with you. Uh, Some of you know me well. I don't like to lose. How many of you know that about me? (laughs) I thought so. I, just, I mean, it, it really doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, a, a game of ping pong. If it's, uh, I, I just don't like to lose. Now, I'm doing better. I'm getting more sanctified. <laughs> I don't lose it quite as bad as I used to. Uh, but but I, I, there's, there's just something down inside of me that I'm, ne- I'm never, I'm thankful, but I'm never satisfied. There are many of you in this room who are like that. Those of you who are watching, you're like that today. That, that there's, there's, there's always something about, i got to conquer, i got to go, i got to make it happen. That's not a bad thing. Now, we've kind of made it bad in the church, right? How many of you, I'm going to be in real trouble, but how many of you know pretty much in the church we've just tried to neuter everything? keep them happy, keep them calm, keep them... No, no, no. Listen, God, God gave us that, that want to. God gave us that ability to conquer, and, and we need to learn to do that. And so there, there are some of you here who are great business people, men and women, and, and God's given you that entrepreneurial thing, and, and men, you can go out there and you can make it happen. Let me help you. Not only should you use that in the world, you know, the, the script, and, and the Scripture says that God has made us a, a nation of kings and priests before the Lord. All right? Now, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not telling everybody to go quit their job. Please don't. All right? What the Scripture says is that God has made us a nation of kings and priests. Priests are the, are the guys like me who serve in the house of the Lord continually. Kings are the people who serve in industry, who serve in business, but they're doing it as unto the Lord. If you have the ability to make a difference in the world, don't you think that same desire, that same ability to conquer can be used in the kingdom of God and that you can bring it into God's kingdom and you can impact so many people with what God's called you to? The second type of person is found in the 19th verse, this is in another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Now, in Scripture, if you study numerology, and I'm not heavily in the numbers, but, but the, the number five is the number for grace. It, it, anytime you find it in Scripture, it's for the number of grace. And so the second type of worker that God's looking for are those who are graced to serve. All right? You've been given the grace to serve. Uh, let me let me share something with you. I'm I'm a student of of church history and church growth. And what they tell us in church growth materials is is that people make up their mind whether or not they're coming back to a church in the first seven minutes of coming through the door. Now think about that. In the first seven minutes, that's usually before anything happens on stage. And I've I've been have you let me ask this. I I need to ask this question, haven't asked in a while. Have you ever been to church? I'm here I know but I mean I mean I've been to church and deacon so-and-so is standing at the door I mean he's not loaded and armed but he, he might as I mean it's like he's got this scowl on his face and and you're afraid to walk in and then and then when you walk in everybody turns around and looks at you come on you know the church thing right and you go if I ever get out of here and, and then if you happen to go to one of those churches where they say, we want all of our guests to stand today. And, and that one's horrible. You know, I, I, I heard of a church one time that, that, that gave out these little fuzzy things and, 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 and put them on everybody's shoulder and said, you know, we want everybody to have a warm fuzzy. Come on, just let me come in and don't mess with me, All right. Uh, But but there's people who are graced to serve. There there are people in in every ministry that have that ability to serve, whether whether it is in a a parachurch ministry that you've been given the grace to serve in, uh, something outside the local church, or maybe you've been given the ability to be a teacher or, or a leader or a host or guest services. Whatever it is, God has given you that grace. And you know what? You need to use that. Here's what I found through the years. The goal is more important than the role you play. It's not about, do I have a title? It's about, can I help somebody? Can I love on somebody? Can somebody leave after being in my presence knowing that there is a God who cares about what they're going through? That is the priority of what we do. So the second thing is is that we've we've got people who are graced to serve. The third one, I love this third one. I think this guy had the best excuse of any of them. Here's what he said. He said, I've married a wife, I just can't show up. Now, I, I think the other two were pretty lame, but this one's good. It's just like, come on, man. I just got married. I'm not coming, you know. I, I'm just not going to be there. And, and yet, here's what, here's what I see in that. Again, I'm a little strange, and I get stuff that people go, how do you get that? Well, he, here's what I see in by, about that. The, the third aspect here of the kind of people that God's looking for are those who are willing to commit. They're willing to commit. To make a commitment. I I just recently heard on the news uh, that Mexico is talking about, in in some parts of Mexico, they're talking about having a two-year trial marriage. I'll wait. Now, I know in America we're doing that, we're just not saying it, but... See, there's, there's something. I, I can remember, you know, the generation before mine, if, if, if Grandpa bought, bought a Ford, bless God, we're going to drive Fords to the day we die. <laughs> right? I mean, if we went to First Baptist, everybody went to First Baptist. It, it, didn't, matter, it didn't matter. There, there wasn't this. Non- <laughs> Who ever heard of a non-denominational church? I mean, it was, you know, it was this, and we all went. And, and, and there were some, some parts of that I don't like, but oh, man, if they made a commitment, they stuck it out. I want to tell you something, and let me not meddle too much, but we need to learn that all over again in America. If we make a commitment, let's stick it out. Let's stick it out in our marriages. Let's stick it out with our families. Let's stick it out with our businesses. <laughs> Willing to commit. In other words, that they know how to marry the vision of the house. Well, let me tell you something. I don't care if it's in marriage or in a church, or a ministry, there's always going to be something you don't like. Oh, if I could just have that person, they will mess your world up. They'll leave socks on the floor. They'll leave the toilet lid up. They'll, I mean, they'll do stuff, all right? Well, if I could just go to that church, I've said it for years, if you find a perfect church, don't go. You will destroy it. Recently said we ought to put a sign out front that says no perfect people allowed. <laughs> Amen. Just, just, hey, if you're perfect, go somewhere else. But, but there's got to be this aspect of commitment, though. Not perfect. The ministry I'm part of, what I'm doing, what I'm serving, not perfect. But this is what I'm called to do. See, and when we, we begin to understand this, here's, here's what i found through the years. There's something called the Pareto Principle uh, that's, that's a 2080 principle uh, that says 20% of the people do 80% of the work. 20% of the people in any given church basically give 80% of the income. 20% of people in any church eat 80% of the food at a dinner. <laughs> now I just made that one up. <laughs> All right? But, but here's what I want to tell you today. F- the faithful few will never get it done. We, we've got to develop the spirit of a worker. I don't find that as a spiritual gift in the Bible, but I wish it was there. That, that God would give a gift of the, of the spirit of a worker that would come upon people. And here's what I found out about workers. There's there some interesting things about workers. Workers, the, the scripture says that we are to enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with what? Praise, right? And, and here's what I found out is that, that a true worker just brings a spirit of thanksgiving. They, they just show up saying, what can I do? And, and they, they just brighten up the place, and you're glad to see them. And the church needs that. And, and as I begin to think about this whole aspect of work, uh, you know something about workers, a true worker is, is in good shape. I mean, if you're doing physical labor especially, uh, you're in good shape. It does something to the body. Your muscles are built up. And so I began to look at that, and, and I, I did some research, and I found out that there, there's basically two types of, of muscles in the body. I love Google, by the way. You can find anything about anything you want. So I just Googled it. I said, what is this? And, and so there's, there's two types of muscles. There's involuntary muscles. And there's voluntary muscles. And I got to thinking about the church. The Bible says we are the body of Christ. And I decided there's a whole lot of involuntary muscles. (laughs) And then there's voluntary muscles. Now, here's the difference. Here's what's interesting. Your involuntary muscles are like your heart and your eyes. I mean, you, you don't sit there going, beat, beat, beat. I mean, if you do, we need to get you to a cardiologist quick. Right, It's just happening. As you've been sitting here and listening to me today, it's your, your heart's been beating, your blood's been flowing through your body, your eyes have been blinking. All those things, are, they're just involuntary. And you know what? I, I begin to think about that. I thought, you know, what is that in the church? What would that be? And I really think it's just the grace of God. Just the grace of God in our life. We don't do anything to get it. It just comes. It just shows up. It doesn't matter if I've prayed enough this week. It doesn't matter if I've been the best Christian or not this week. Just the grace of God just shows up in my life. But then there's the voluntary muscles. Now, now the voluntary you can't do much with the involuntary muscles as far as strengthening them. But the, the voluntary muscles, you, you can build them up. How, how many of you have ever gone to the gym? It's been a while for some of us. I include me. Uh, you know, I, I went to the gym a, a while back a lot. I got tired of going. There, there's a certain type of person at the gym I don't like to go to. People who are in shape. I mean, come on, you get in the gym. I, I hired a trainer one time. He almost killed me. I said, this can't be of God. There is, there is no way God's in this at all. And uh, I, I was so I was sore for days. And and the, the the aspect of when the gym, you know, go to the gym, they're doing this. You know, biceps, right? Come on, you know those guys and gals, biceps up here. There, there's some of us, our biceps dropped. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you know, you know now we we have all the the requirements in our cars, seat belt and and uh, you know airbags and all that. In in my day growing up, you know first first of all is is when you stay with grandmas. Grandmas were different back then. All grandmas had aprons and they were a little overweight. Come on, now grandmas are fit and they go to the gym and all that. But back, boy, I'm in trouble. Back in the day, grandmas, you know, they just this they just had this and. Uh, and you didn't you didn't have to worry about airbags if you roll the grandma. <laughs> Seatbelt. Nah. I mean, she'd she'd slam on her brakes and she'd do this. And I, all of this kept you protected. <laughs> I'm afraid in the kingdom. We got a lot of that happening. And you know what? Really what we've got to come to as an understanding is, is that the Bible talks about building up yourself in your most holy faith. And, and there's, there's something about exercising your faith. There's something about, uh, about saying, hey, you know what? I, I'm going to do something. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to get involved. Now, now listen, you, you don't start off with 200-pound weights. You start off with 5-pound weights. And a lot of times, if if we're not careful, we look at somebody who's been serving Christ for a long time, maybe been real involved in in some type of ministry or whatever, and we, oh, I can never do that. Well, you didn't start there. Start here. But you know what? You go from 5 to 10 to 25 to 50 to 100. And all of a sudden, this becomes this. And you begin to say, hey, I can do this. I can make a difference. And, and what's interesting is, is that as you begin to do that, you begin to gain strength. You, you, you get more agile as you build up your muscles. And, and you, you become faster. There's speed that's released. And I begin to think about that. I thought, you know what? God wants his church to be strengthened. He doesn't want us to be weak and anemic, he wants us to be strong. He wants us to be able to move when He calls. He wants us to be agile, to move in whatever He calls us to do. And He wants us to continue to move. He wants us to be moving forward at all times. And here's what I think. I believe with all of my heart that God is saying to each and every one of us, Look, it's great to be part of the crowd, but I made you for more than the crowd. It's wonderful. Listen, it's great. To show up on a Sunday morning and just kind of sit and enjoy. But God created you for more than enjoyment. God gave you abilities, God gave you talents. If we could marshal the talents and the abilities of believers, what could we do in this world? You know, we sit back and we so often get so irate at all the negative things in our society. What would happen if instead of us standing out in front of an abortion clinic screaming our lungs out, that we got involved with people who are helping those who are at that point in their life? What if if instead of always cursing the crack house, we got involved in trying to help the one who is addicted to drugs? What would happen in our society instead of saying, well, if the police would handle this or this one would handle that or the politicians would take care? What if instead of us saying that, we say, wait a minute. It's all our responsibilities. It's every one of us. Listen, America claims to be and still has a high percentage of people who claim to be Christians. What would happen if somewhere to this point and still in our nation, somewhere over 70% of Americans claim to be Christians? What could we do if we would quit sitting back and complaining and griping and telling everything we don't like? And we just said, you know what? Let's make a difference. And every church and every ministry would begin to be proactive in their community and begin to say, you know what? Yes, there are a lot of things that we don't like. There are a lot of things in our church we may not agree with or like. But you know what? I'm not going to be part of the crowd. I'm going to become a worker. I'm going to build up myself in my most holy faith. And I am going to make a difference in my world and in my environment that I've been given. You know what? What one person can do is amazing. You think that you are an insignificant person, but God says, I did not make anyone insignificant. I've given all of you abilities, I've given all of you talents, and I want you to be a worker. In my kingdom.